outstanding rookie class. I don't think anybody could argue that, and I don't think anybody would have quarreled with either Art Rooney or Mike Tomlin in bringing that up on their own in their respective after-the-season press conferences. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer shots on those other two teams in town, Penguins and the Pirates. I want Broderick Jones back on the left side. You know who else wants that? Yeah, Broderick Jones. Big boys made no secret of that, nor should he. He has every right to speak of what position he'd most want to play. Doesn't mean he can pick it. Doesn't mean he can go and demand it. Definitely don't want to see him pout over it. But he didn't do that just now, did he? He ended up getting put out there as a starter. It took a while going into the season, and it took Chooksakorafor really burning some bridges, but it happened. And when it did, the position that was available to him was right tackle. And the guy playing his preferred position, Dan Moore, wasn't at all comfortable at right tackle, so they just kind of left everything alone. They let the kid who's less established figure out things for himself, where the other guy who's already been lined up against guys from the left side for three years was just going to be undisturbed and ideally he'd perform better than he had before that. Well, there are a lot of differing views as it relates to Moore's performance, but I actually don't care, respectfully. I I don't care how it is that Moore did over there as related to where Jones should be playing. You always want two things out of your top talent. One is for them to achieve their best selves And two, if you can pull this off, for them to be at the most important positions. A lot of stuff's changed about offensive line play in recent years. And it's changed to the extent that there are people who will even make an argument that right tackle is just as important as left tackle, which I really don't understand because most quarterbacks are still right-handed and most quarterbacks still take the snap with their backs to that side of the field. What I do know is that you move up to draft Jones for the purpose of acquiring a franchise-level lineman. That's what you're doing there. There's no reason, no cause to have any expectation lower than that when you take someone that high. And if his natural position is the one that would benefit your franchise the most, then messing around with what Dan Moore can or can't do, or even if Moore should be in or out of the starting mix, is it's, it's small thinking, okay? That's what that is. It's some of that stuff that you've heard me talk about, if you've been with me for a while, regarding Tomlin and his fixation on only winning the game that's being played that Sunday, as opposed to ever really thinking big. In Jones's case, you have to think big, both literally and figuratively. He can be physically and otherwise a big, big part of your offense. And now you go and you get yourself an offensive coordinator 
in Arthur Smith, who believes in big sets and pounding the football and exerting your physicality, imposing your will. And within that scenario, having Jones be at his absolute best is beyond a must. So if I'm in an office on South Water Street and somebody says, what about right tackle? You know what I do? I take that piece of paper that somebody set in the middle of that table and I slide it off to the side and say, we'll get to that tomorrow. Right now, as we're building this offense for this football team, for this coordinator, we're putting Jones at left tackle and we'll figure out the rest. Look, I don't know what to expect from this O-line in 2024. I don't know how many changes are going to take place. I don't know how long it's going to take these guys to get into the rhythm of a whole new offense. We've seen each of the past two seasons now that the O-line really hasn't gotten it together until what, weeks seven, eight, even nine? And that's to say nothing of whoever the quarterback happens to be, whether it's Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett, or the running backs. We've seen the running backs take a long time to adjust. Najee Harris seemingly more than Jalen Warren. Najee wants to have conventions with these guys all year long, it seems. And then again, once you get to about the two or three month portion of the season, suddenly it looks like, wow, man, they were all just meant to be. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Don't go into even the offseason with any ambiguity about this. Jones is your left tackle. Let everything and everyone else just play themselves out. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's show is sponsored by the Poker Room at Live Casino Pittsburgh. Join them this month for the daily hand hustle promotion where the first 20 hands will win up to $200. Don't miss the Westmoreland 300 Multi-Flight Poker Tournament. That's March 7th through the 10th with a $25,000 guaranteed prize pool. Plus, join live for an $8,000 cash drawing on March 24th at noon. Follow them on X at Live Poker WML. Again, that's at Live Poker WML. Live Casino Pittsburgh, located on Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Today's J1Q comes from Gary, who says, Dan, I've never been a Mike Tomlin basher, but I will forever hold against him the disastrous way in which he's handled his quarterbacks in recent seasons. From trusting an amateur coordinator to develop his number one pick to burying Mason Rudolph on the depth chart to sticking with Mitch Trubisky when he was a bigger disaster each week than the week before. Wouldn't this handling of this position have gotten most other coaches fired? Uh, coaches, no. That's the answer that I have here. I think there are other things that could have, arguably should have, gotten Tomlin fired along the way. Chiefly that he's won a playoff game in only four of his 17 seasons. That's not okay. Never mind having a seven-year 
streak of not winning a playoff game, as happens to be currently proceeding. So I feel like the fairest way to answer your question is to split it into two. One is that, no, Tomlin has not shown to be great with quarterbacks since Ben Roethlisberger retired, and he didn't have to do anything with Ben. I mean, he had a guy who who could manage himself in every conceivable way, on and off the field, in and out of season, never had to worry about competitions, handling this situation or that situation. Then Ben's not there anymore. And what do they do? First thing, go sign Mitch Trubisky. Ignore that Mason Rudolph even exists. The draft comes along. We'll never know probably who they were originally going to take if Kenny Pickett wasn't going to be available. I don't believe for a split second it was going to be Malik Willis. But what we do know is that they leaped, and I mean leaped through the roof, when Pickett was still there. We saw that in those behind-the-scenes films that they shoot. We saw Tomlin was just giddy running down the hall to get on the phone with Pickett. And then there'd be no real competition. The competition that was set up between Rudolph and Trubisky and pronounced to be that was a farce. It was a farce and a half. The following year, you end up bringing in Rudolph later as a third string guy, with maybe all 31 of the NFL's other teams having believed that, well, the Steelers must know something for Rudolph to never get a chance, and then not touching him with a 10-foot pole. I don't know. We could go over all this into eternity. The other part that's relevant here, though, the second thing that I was going to cite is that it's hard to take everything about this scenario related to the quarterbacks and lay it at the head coach's feet. A lot of this, as I just laid out, is on Tomlin, but a lot of it isn't. You know, a lot of it was Kevin Colbert, who was the one that had the most communication with the Bills regarding Trubisky. Colbert was also the GM, of course, when Kenny was drafted. Heck, I guess the one guy who escapes blame in this whole thing is Omar Khan, because at least Omar had the foresight to get in touch with Mason and ask him to come back, even if it was as a number three. And that turned out to be the roster move that put the team into the playoffs, right? Yeah. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, confounding as it occasionally can be. Let's do another one tomorrow. 